Hi, I'm Sam Garland. I'm an actor in Brooklyn, New York, and I believe that everyone on this planet is deeply creative. And not only that, I believe that engaging with our creativity is what connects us to our humanity and to our divinity. Whether it's starting a business, homeschooling your kids, cooking, painting, dancing, writing, acting, knitting, gardening, we are all called to express ourselves in myriad, incredibly unique ways. These are our gifts to the world. And yet, and yet, most every artist suffers terribly from self-doubt, from fear of public humiliation, from being too hard on themselves. That's certainly been my journey. I've done a lot of work on why my brain attacks when I'm being creative and how I can let this thing that I'm called to do out into the world. I'm still figuring it out, and I invite you to join me. Welcome back for episode five of this podcast. Um, I'm going to say it again. It's gotten harder, which I feel like I should have anticipated um, from every diet I've ever started and been like super excited on the first whatever few days or weeks and then been like, why am I doing this? But also from Seth um, Godin, who writes a lot about sort of the long middle ground between starting excited with something, a clear vision, an idea, something that you want to do. And he has this great, I got to find it and share, but he has this great uh, image that he draws, which is a middle row, which is like loops and and falling backwards and going forward and like excitement and then sorrow and, and, you know, depression and maybe not clinical depression, but like sadness and overwhelm and sort of a long winding road to get to success. And Seth Godin writes a lot about being an entrepreneur and being an ideas person and not getting stuck in um, in uh, in in the planning phases and the thinking about. He's got this term, which is ship it. He's always talking about like, get your stuff out the door, get it into the world. It's the best way to know if it has at home, if it belongs somewhere is to get it out there. And this particular um, image that I'm thinking of is from his book called The Dip. Um, he writes a lot of really great, insightful, short books. They're really worth the read. Um, and this one was, if I remember correctly, it's been quite a while since I read it, but he talks about being an entrepreneur and having an idea for something and having that excitement and then the long road of sort of convincing other people it's a good idea, like selling it, making making it a thing in the world, which requires making others believe in the thing that you see. Um, And really what he's talking about in the dip is that there's this really, really long, long, long middle road um, where, or, or middle section between excitement and beginning and actually getting quote unquote discovered or getting that sale that turns your company around or getting that book publishing, right? You go through all the rejection letters and then one publisher says yes, or you take your artwork to a bunch of galleries and they all turn you down. And then one person says yes, right? So like that trudging through auditions, through showing up and having something to say and something you want to share, and nobody giving a flying fuck. And the deep work of having to be like, okay, can I still believe in myself when the response is this? Can I see past that person who doesn't get it yet or who doesn't get me and be okay and not take it personally or take it personally for a day, fall apart and then get back up again tomorrow? And this is not a skill set any of us are taught. And I really wish that we were because I feel like this is the skill set for life. Um, 
But what I find really interesting is, uh, yeah, so in my bright, shiny, let's do a podcast, I... I, I don't know. I thought the hardest part would getting started. I thought the hardest part would be getting a couple under my belt and then putting them out in the world. And like, it would hurt like you have a bandaid and then it would be done. And I'm like, oh, no, there's this whole other new phase, we'll call it, of becoming someone who podcasts, becoming someone who does this regularly, who puts herself out there regularly, who figures out how to, you know, market it. Um, build an audience is like a thing that I'm thinking about that I did in the beginning. I really thought, let me, let me talk how I talk to my friends. Let me talk about what is interesting to me about this journey. Let me share some of the things I'm learning and I'm curious about. Let me just really enjoy, which is something I've discovered in the pandemic. I have to say, like, enjoy my own brain. Enjoy just like the many connections. I read a lot. I remember almost everything I read. I watch a lot. I have so much packed in my brain and it comes flowing out when I talk to friends. And I'm always sort of delighted by my own tangents. And I've been talking to myself in pandemic because, you know, we can't see humans other than a square in our Zoom phones or our Zoom computers. And so that was really the goal when I started. And then it became this thing of, um, you know, what I've been struggling with a lot is actually kind of hilariously, because it's the paradox of it is that like perfectionist brain wanting like, okay, what are the three points I'm going to make on every episode? And what's the cute bow I'm going to tie up all those points with? And where am I going to land this episode? And what's the nugget that everyone's going to walk away with? And I really want that for you guys. I really want you to walk away having gotten something out of this. But when I started, my thinking was really the walk away is someone to journey with someone who's maybe thought about it a lot has some insights, but isn't coming to you with like, here are the three steps to master your blah, blah, blah. I'm so tired of that shit. Like I was just scrolling Instagram and I used to love that stuff. And now I'm like, I've downloaded enough three steps or five steps to starting your book or 10 steps to whatever. And I know that there isn't a gimmick. There isn't a trick. There are tools. There are really good lessons. There are ways to reframe your experience and how you think about yourself and you think about your work. But there is no shortcut. There is there is no pill to take away the pain of what it is to be human and care deeply about something and share it with the world. It just is. And, you know, Brene Brown talks about like, you don't want that pill because if you take away the stuff that's hard, you also take away the deep joy of connecting and the deep ability to be seen and heard as you are and who you are. But I understand the compulsion and the desire to take the pill and to find the three easy hacks. So and as I mentioned before, I'm a super like type A, really good at school. Tell me how to write a paper. I will give you 20 pages on whatever topic you want. I will give you thesis, antithesis. I will have three points in every paragraph. Like, I love that shit. I'm like, give me a mathematical equation to solve. I will figure out how to make, you know, X equal Y equals zero, whatever the thing is. Um, I like tying things up. And this is exactly what I struggle with as an artist, right? This thing I think we talked about last week of the death of the actor is showing up, wanting to control everything, wanting so much to please the odd, you know, the director or the audience wanting so much to be, quote unquote, right, in their performance, that they lose the ability to actually just discover what their own instrument, their own body, their own life experience has to say about that moment in time and be present. And it's a thing that most actors are are working with fighting against all the time, that very conditioned people pleaser, we know how to do school, we know how to sit, 
some of us better than others, but you know, sort of the conditioning of sitting and and doing lessons and being quiet and raising your hand and um, the ways in which we're taught, and and then sort of the the desire to like listen to your own inner muse, to listen to your own. Oh, this thing looks really interesting. I wonder what that's about. I'm going to go research this thing. I'm going to go down this rabbit hole of exploring this on the internet or reading a bunch of books. Or I'm going to. I feel like dancing to this song. I want to choreograph this thing. Right, like following this itch that you can't explain. Elizabeth Gilbert talks about it. She's a writer. Um, she wrote Eat, Pray, Love quite famously, but had been a writer before that really blew up and then wrote afterwards about the creative process um, in a book called Big Magic and and also has a podcast on pre- creativity, which, which is a great listen. And she talks about sort of ideas coming to you and presenting themselves and you don't know where they come from and you don't need to know where they come from. Um, and one of the things that I love that she talks about is if you don't open the door and say, yes, come in, I will tell this story, that story will move on to somebody else. And she talks about having an idea for a book and she'd been fiddling with it for like a long time and hadn't quite committed to writing it and then looked up one day and someone else had written that book. And she felt like, wait a second, they stole my idea. And it took her a while to realize the ideas float in the ether and a lot of a lot of different artists are getting a knock on that door with the invitation of this is the story that needs to be told right now. And not everyone answers that knock. And for different reasons, sometimes it's the right reason, sometimes it's the wrong reason. Sometimes we're scared of that knock. We're scared of that story that is desiring to be told. And sometimes it's that, you know, uh, it's just not the right project, but that it will get told. Like this idea that we're sort of conduits, right? For ideas that are floating in the collective unconscious, if you want to think of it that way. Or honestly, I don't know where creativity comes from. I don't think any of us do. I'm deeply fascinated by our brains and how um, we how connected we are in ways that we don't understand. I think even the highest of scientists who are researching the brain don't understand how we're connected and how ideas come to us. But this idea that they're on their ether and you can say yes to the invitation and do the work um, or really release it. And hilariously, I'm realizing that I had a whole other topic I want to talk about today and I don't remember where I was going with this. But um, I think this idea of, you know, really listening to an inner inner voice, an inner desire, an inner story that needs to be told, an inner song that needs to be written, uh, something, whether you think of it as inner or you're listening to the muse, you're listening to this collective unconscious, this divine, larger connectedness to all of us that that is you know asking to come through you and be spoken. But how different that is from schooling, from having assignments and and knowing what to do very specifically to get an A or very specifically to get a raise at your job or to get a promotion or to get vacation time. Like, I like those rules. I like knowing how to play. And at the same time, it's not fulfilling in the same way as really being able to listen to the inner, inner self. So... Um, what's interesting is that my thought actually for today that I want to talk about was identity and labels and what is it, A, how do we talk to ourselves about who we are as artists? You know, there are a lot of shitty labels out there, like struggling artist, like aspiring actor. Um, and, and there are a lot of, um, ideas about artists. I know I struggle a lot with, you know, the idea of you have to be poor, you have to be struggling, you have to be living off ramen noodles, you have to really give up 
everything else, wanting a family, wanting to travel and see the world, wanting to have any kind of material comfort or home base, a home for, you know, goodness sake, um, to really be a great artist or really be an impactful artist. And, and I really hate that. I really don't think it serves any of us, but I certainly haven't solved that equation because I do think capitalism is really complicated. And I think, um, I don't want to say capitalism is all wrong. I think the way that it's practiced in the US is deeply, deeply destructive. Um, But I don't think getting paid for your art is a bad thing. I don't think getting, um, I don't think getting recognized for the talent and the transformation that you bring. I'm thinking a lot of, um, you know, art came in a lot of, a lot of uh, cultures uh, through shaman and and the person who really communed with kind of a larger part of of all of us, you know, was considered spiritual. Like there was less of a divide between spirituality and art, and there was a sense of like you brought to them payment for their services in in seeing you and helping you heal. Right. Um, I think of Buddhist teachers I've had, and they've debated this too, of like whether they should accept payment or not for teaching the the lessons of the Buddha. Um, and this idea of, you know, it, it is actually on the student, at least the, the lineage that I studied with, it is on the student to bring payment um, to really recognize the value of what's being passed down and also to invest in what's being passed down in terms of knowledge and wisdom and and peace of mind and training. Um, and and so this gets debated in lots of places, right? Like, should medicine be free? Should should teach schools be free, right? There's a lot of there's and, and, and as I'm saying that I'm realizing like it should be free for the person receiving those. Like I think students should get free schooling and I think patients should get free doctoring. Um, but I think doctors should be paid. I think that the teachers should be paid above and beyond, you know, what we're doing right now. Um, so again, these are complicated things. How do we provide for the needs of our society um, and still get people um, to live a full, beautiful life. And this is a thing where I like kind of deeply disagree in the US policy versus what I know of Europe policy, which is, I think in Europe, there's a lot more funding and support for artists. And I think in the States, we don't quite recognize the value of art as a social good, as a part of how we deepen our humanity, connect to each other, change the stories about the things that we don't understand and grow forward. Um, you know, a lot of othering, a lot of that person, you know, the stories that are now about either immigrants or LGBTQ or um, there's a lot of Asian hate deeply distressingly going on right now. There's, you know, this 45 who like to throw around, you know, all kinds of racial slurs around the coronavirus and blame China for it then led to a whole bunch of really, really terrifying attacks on um, Americans of Asian descent and and, and Asians living in, a, in the States and, um, and telling stories that center the humanity of Asians helps heal some of that, right? It, it bridges the gap from, oh, they are other, I don't understand them. It's easy for me to think of them as wrong or the problem, or if I am scared and I don't know how to sing, 
solve the thing that I'm scared for. I know how to be afraid of you. A lot of um, power can be gained from division and from othering and making the other the bad thing that we should be afraid of and that we should blame for all of our problems. And I think one of the real beauties and actually importances of art is the ability to unother. I don't know what the word is. I'm I'm struggling here to figure that out. But like, right, this sense of of um, common humanity, this sense of we all bleed the same. We're all trying to love our children, our parents, our families. We're trying to get through the day, have enough money for a roof over our head and feed ourselves. Like we're not different in things that we care deeply about. We might have different ways of trying to achieve those things, um, but we're not different. And, and so I think there's, there's an interesting idea of what does it take to, yeah, like where is it that artists live, right? We, we have the same problem with, with the medical system that, you know, we don't have a, we don't have a, everyone goes to the doctor system. Um, we don't have a, the state will figure out how to pay for everyone to have universal healthcare. And we don't have a universal art should be everywhere. It is part of the fabric of what makes us human and what makes us also just like art is very calming. It's very soothing. It allows us uh, to tap into the emotions maybe we're afraid of. It's really cathartic. It helps us process things that are really difficult, right? So it's part of the, it's not just reflecting the human lived experience. It's also helping us to be better humans. I have, I have this deep love affair with Freeform, uh, which used to be called ABC Family, which does a lot of like young adults, teenage shows. And, you know, there's sort of, they're a little bit I don't want to say better, but they're sort of like after school specials, but a little bit more fun, a little bit less like on the nose, but it's that same idea. And I swear to God, I watch these shows and I think you are teaching me how to be a human because I need you to show me what it is to go through a breakup and how to apologize to a friend and what it is to struggle with your family and your identity, right? Like really good TV and films help us understand ourselves better and do the work of being better humans. I feel again, there's a wide range out there. I don't know what everyone's watching. I don't know what you, lessons you guys are getting, but definitely the stuff that I think can be really healing is so important in that way, right? So if we think of it as a, as not just like a pretty thing that can add, like, I don't want to denigrate flowers, but like flowers are amazing and they're really pretty, but maybe we don't think of them as necessary. Um, I wonder if there's a, a, a shift that needs to happen in thinking as art as necessary and I think a lot of people recognize the importance of it. But again, when we get embroiled in this idea of capitalism, we have this idea of, at least for me, my art only matters when I'm paid for it. My art only matters when I get X amount of likes, you know, on Instagram or I don't know, you know, this this amount of awards at this award show, right, which are really also always a quantifying, you know, how you rank and what your status is. Um and it can be really hard to step back from that and say, all art matters, all showing up matters. And, and so I think what's interesting is, again, I don't have a solution because I don't know how it's kind of invested in, in other countries. Um, 
And we do have a really complicated idea with what has value and what deserves money um, in this country. And I also don't think money is the only arbiter of something as importance. But when you think about the life of an artist, of someone who wants to show up in their community and have something to say and have a way to move that community forward and be a um, a vessel for, you know, insight and wisdom and connection. Um, we're having such better conversations about mental health this past year. There's been a real recognition of what isolation and the pandemic has really done in terms of anxiety and depression and and addiction. And, you know, people are really coming out in a much more genuine way. And I wonder if there's a next, the next phase or a place for in our next conversations about the intrinsic need for art and to rather than get in this idea of labeling, is this good? Is this bad? Is this important? Did this sell? Did this win an award? Um, is there a different way that we can show up as artists, know that we can pay our bills, know that we can raise families if that's what we choose, know that we can travel if that's what we choose, know that we can own a home if that's what we choose. But there are a lot of things that are desirable to a lived experience that feel very in opposition to wanting to dedicate yourself to being an artist. And again, this idea of labels, you know, and that like you're a sellout if you're then making money from it, but then isn't that also sort of the goal, right? So like, where does it live in this space to crave to say something in the world and be a value? And also how do you quantify that value? What is a value that is appropriate? When, when do you also sign away your rights? Cause you're joining a show for like seven years and they get to, you know, they lock you into that contract and you don't know what's going to happen with your character and you're showing up for that. And so these are just really complicated things. And, and I think maybe it comes back to this idea that art, art in all ways are like services. I think teachers struggle with this too, right? Very much wanting to show up for the children and to, to be of service. Doctors struggle with this, maybe really wanting to be of service and to be healers. And then are they financially compensated for that? Are they, you know, um, is it, I know for teachers, it's they're most of them are not paid enough money. Um, for the amount of work that they do, they're often underfunded. And so there's this similar um, uh, real struggle with wanting to be of service, wanting to show up and give your gifts to the world and also needing the mental health resources that I think you need, the support that you need as a teacher, the functioning schools that we need that aren't always available and the salary that we need to really recognize the work. So I don't know, guys. I have no, I like want to end this on an answer and I don't, I'm really just kind of opening up like, what is it to stay in the question of it? Um, I will say this in terms of like, you know, monetary stuff, like I'm not one of the joys actually of this podcast is I'm not trying to monetize it. I'm not trying to make money. I'm really just trying to show up and share my voice and be in the world and be in connection. And that takes off a lot of pressure as an actor, I really want to get paid. I really want to be on a TV show. I really want to be on like a really great Netflix show. I really want to do some great sci-fi. I really want Freeform to call me and hire me for something because I love their programming, right? Um, that and a BBC, uh, a PBS masterpiece. I really want the horses and the corsets uh, shows. So, you know, there is a desire to be <clears throat> professional in a different way, in a way that is about solving for what are they casting? What are they looking for? How do I, how do I answer the question or the problem that they're trying to solve for, which is, you know, the show that they want to make. 
um, which is different from like the music that I've been making that I would love to perform someday in front of like a handful of people at some bar, but like, I'm really not trying to build some like Taylor Swift empire goddess bless what she has done. That's not my goal. And it takes a lot of pressure off and I get to like putz around and make the thing that is to me incredibly joyful and meaningful. Um, and so I think that's the other layer is that there are things that we do and they get to be hobbies and they get to be purely on our own terms and they get to have incredible meaning to us and the people who discover them. And that's absolutely fine and fantastic. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. Um, and there are certain callings that we have to be an artist that also sells our work that meets the market where it's at that either want to make a living from that or want to be impactful in the way that like that painting is recognized by the Whitney or the Met, you know, or that um, play is performed on Broadway. There are aspirations that I think come from that same place of wanting a larger platform of wanting our ideas of wanting to reach a larger audience that aren't bad, um, but that require a different paradigm in how we engage with our work and with ourselves and with what we have to say in the world. So I'm going to stop there and I'll be back next week. And I'm going to keep getting better at this podcasting thing. And maybe that means more tangents. And maybe that means less. I don't know yet. But I'm really grateful that you're here with me. Have a wonderful week. Bye. Mm-hmm.